0: Um, I want to talk to you this morning about a guy named Paul. There was this guy uh, named Paul. He's very famous, and he's writing a letter from prison. And, and that sort of rolls off our tongue sometimes. Like, I've heard preachers go, okay, Paul wrote this while in jail, like, lie die Well, hang on a second. Um, he was an enemy of the state in Rome, and he was chained to a wall. Um, or a Roman soldier, he would have been tortured on a daily systemic basis. The, the Roman torture of first century Christians was well documented. Eventually in 57 AD, he dies by the death penalty at the hands of a guy named Nero. So this is, uh, this is a guy that's in a pretty bad circumstance. And, and let me just say this, it, this should be obvious. He died never knowing if anybody bought what he was selling. He, he died never knowing that Christianity was going to take off. He died not knowing. He died before the Gospels were written, right? He died before any of this. And yet, even with all that, he's able to be so inspiring, like, like all things are possible, and this will turn out for my deliverance. And and, and if God started it, he'll complete it. And, and for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Stand together against your adversary, for what might look like your destruction will actually be your salvation. This guy is flipping, inspiring, right? And by Philippians chapter 2, he shifts to how we should treat one another. And he makes this statement, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Of course, the word your there is plural. It's like, hey, we're all in this together. Like we, we participate with each other's working out of salvation. And so this scripture I'm fixing to read is one of four thoughts he has on what it looks like to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. So once again, if you've ever heard that and thought, what does that mean? Like, like look, it's, it's one thing to say something obvious, like we should be working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. It's a whole other thing to have language around w- what that means. And so I want to talk to you about one of the, his first point about that, which happens to be choosing to be light in our world and what that looks like. And once again, that's an obvious thing. Like if I said, we need to be light in our community. We don't need to be sitting in our butt waiting to go to heaven when we die. We need to be a light for Hastings and Napier and Havelock North and this whole region, even Clive. like Places like this, right? Like we ought to be light. Well, well no one's going to disagree with that. No one's going to say, no, we need more darkness. The, the, the question is, is not, do we need more light? The question is, how? And he gives this one really brilliant, this is his first thought about how to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And it has to do with being light. And here is his thought, right? Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Well, let's just stop right there. could be the shortest sermon you ever hear. And let's give this its due meditation. How have we done with that in the last 30 days? If we're not at least willing to ask the question, we have another set of problems. And if we can ask the question and then lie to ourselves, that's an entirely different set of problems. Because the cross and resurrection should not be that which we believe in. The cross and resurrection should be that which fundamentally shifts the way we see everything else in our world. And, and, and one of the shifts is Christianity. Paul's saying, who are Christians? Christians should be the people doing all things without grumbling or disputing. How have we done with that? I, and for you Bible nerds, I can actually read that in Greek, right, which makes me a nerd. But I can, I can read that in the original language. And I can tell you the word all there is actually all oh. But Shane, you know how long it's taken them to fix the roads between Hastings and Havelock North? Yes. They were working on it last year when I was here. Oh. Shane, you know how long it took that waitress to get our drinks? Yep. Oh. Shane, you know what kind of idiot I'm married to? Yep. Oh. Oh. And by the way, that guy would gladly die for you if an intruder come in to the house tonight. And lay off a little. Shame, that he said something I disagree with. Yep. All. But it was about the Bible. Yep. All. Lay off the preachers, hey? Particularly on the internet. How distasteful is that and nauseating? Makes me want to throw up when I hear, when I see a group of Christians tearing apart a preacher for saying one thing they don't agree with in a public forum so the world can see it. Here's what preaching is. Preaching is taking 10 hours with four researchers to put together a a talk that's going to take 40 minutes to deliver so that someone who hasn't spent 10 seconds thinking about it can criticize you in a public forum. Lay off (laughs) all. As much Bible thumping as I hear, I have never once heard that scripture Bible thumped. So let's make a 60 day commitment. If we're going to Bible thump something, let's Bible thump that until we master it. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Paul, in an earlier letter, says, never, ever, ever quarrel over a disputable matter. And then he calls all things disputable. The principle is, don't dispute. Christians shouldn't be the people arguing about stuff. Christians should be the people that when the world looks at our conversation, Jesus is glorified, not our rightness. Don't ever compromise your ability to be connected to your world at the altar of being correct. That doesn't make any sense. All things. And then he uses some really serious language. Watch his language. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent. Really? Is Paul tying our innocence to our basic disposition in uncomfortable conflict? Children of God. Really? Without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Amongst whom you shine like stars or shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. In other words, I'm fixing to be killed at the hands of Nero. I'd like to know I didn't waste my life. And the one way I'm going to know I didn't waste my life is that you all make a commitment to do all things without grumbling or disputing. Now, for you Bible nerds, a couple quick things, okay? Paul's a first century rabbi, and he's quoting specific passages from the Old Testament, all right? Now, for time's sake, I'm not going to read them. I'll put the references up for you. If you're a studier, you could go study it later. If you're not a studier, don't worry about it, right? Ne- next slide. So so here, here's his... Here's his uh, Next, yep, keep going. So grumbling is a reference to Exodus 16, also Numbers 14, keep going. Um, blameless and pure is Genesis 17. Um, keep going. Warped and crooked generation is Deuteronomy 32. Um, uh, shine like stars is Daniel 12. Run in vain is a quote from Isaiah 65. Right? Let me, let me um, summarize that in, in one statement. He's, he's quoting specific passages about the Exodus story. Here's the Exodus story that God reached out to a group of people who didn't deserve it and didn't earn it, and He saved their life by moving them from slavery to freedom. And then, subsequent to that, they complained about something less important than their salvation. Maybe I'm not being clear enough. All right, do do you know anybody or any group of people? That God reached out and saved their lives without them doing anything to deserve it or earn it. And then subsequent to that, they grumble about things less important than that. This is a story about us. But Shane, the music's too loud. All. But Shane, they didn't do... All. By Deuteronomy 32, Moses is so fed up with their grumbling, he says God's done everything to reach out to you, and you're grumbling, you're no longer God's children, you're a warped and crooked generation. Paul is quoting this and saying they, God saved them and they grumbled. God has saved you, you don't have to grumble, you can be different, you can shine like stars. For Paul, being light in our world starts with first a commitment to do all things without grumbling or disputing. All things without grumbling or disputing. Now, let's say it more simply. Next slide. So Paul's essentially saying, don't be like the freed Israelites and Grumble. Rather, shine like stars. One more thing for the Bible nerd. If you look if you look the original Greek up about the word grumble, here's what you'll find. Next slide. You'll find that the word grumble comes from now keep going, comes from the word gong let, let me just let me just say let me say that slowly. Gong gizmon. The word translated grumble is a gong, an out of place symbol. The, the idea is, is that Bay City, your family, your business, it's sort of like a song. And to be a part of the song, you got to know your part. Sometimes you sing lead. Sometimes you play the guitar. But here's the truth. You could have the best singer in Hastings on the stage next to the best guitar player, next to the best keyboard player, and if the drummer's off, it'll butcher the song. You, you can have the guys doing everything they're supposed to do, but if the drummer's hitting cymbals as hard as he can, out of tune, it's going to butcher the song. The idea is, is be a part of the song and never a gong. When we grumble or complain or dispute, we are like an out-of-place symbol that butchers the song and forces the organization to start over. All things without grumbling or disputing do not ever be a gong. The, the root word is, is from foolish reasoning or reasoning with malice intent. Keep going. Or, or let's say it this way. Next slide. It's, it's, it's sort of like this. In other words, I've lost the plot, so I'll simply make noise with my mouth. I've lost my place in the song, so I'm going to make as much noise with my mouth as possible, and that's going to butcher the song for everybody else. Be a part of the song and never, ever a gong. There's a a parable that gets told by the rabbis. This is not in the Bible. This is a parable about the Bible that is supposed to help us understand the Exodus story. And here's how the parable goes. That as the children of Israel were crossing from slavery into freedom, and the walls of water were being held back, ...for their deliverance. That two slaves got focused on mud getting between their toes. So two slaves were focused on a few pieces of mud between their toes. And the way the parable goes is they got so focused on the mud between their toes... ...that they lost sight of the walls of water being held back for their deliverance. Which leads me to this question. Have we ever lost sight of everything God's up to in our world... ...at the expense of two pieces of mud between our toes? Because when you focus on the two pieces of mud, you lose sight of the water. This is earth. There's always going to be a couple pieces of mud. Always. There's always going to be a couple isolated incidents that you could go, See, look at that. Oh, this world's getting bad. But that's two pieces of mud. The whole thing's going somewhere good. Paul says it this way in Ephesians, that the spirit of the risen Christ is filling everything in every way. In other words, God's up to something in me. God's up to something in you. God's up to something in them. And the whole thing's going somewhere good. This world's getting better and 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 better. better. Which leads me to this. You cannot judge success on a plotted point. You judge success on the trajectory line. Let me give you an example of what I mean. If I said, let me tell you about my money. I have $500,000 five hundred thousand dollars in the bank and no debt am i winning or losing the answer i didn't mean to set you up that strong the, 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 the answer is you cannot possibly know because i've only given you a plotted point which is what the news does the news gives you plotted points and says see that's bad but you can't know that what? okay let me tell you the whole story What if I inherited $100 million from my rich uncle and I'm an idiot and I'm down to my last $500,000 with no debt? Am I winning or am I losing? I'm losing. But what if I started with nothing and I'm up to $500,000 with no debt? Am I winning or am I losing? I'm winning. So two people can be at the exact same plotted point. And one be winning and one be losing. Because you cannot judge success on plotted points. You judge success on trajectory lines. And this world is getting better. And I mean everything. Everything is getting better. A few examples. Life expectancy. Life expectancy in Jesus' day was 32 years old. By 1550, it had ballooned to 37. By 1850, it was 43. It wasn't until 1925 that the average life expectancy crossed 50 years old, and that was only in Western developed countries. It wasn't until 1948 that globally life expectancy hit 50 years old. Today, it's almost 80, and in Western countries, it's 85. Is God done redeeming long life? No. Is it better? Yes. My goodness. Medicine is better, which is why we're living longer. Okay. Would you rather have dental work today or in 1950? (laughs) Is God done redeeming it? No. Is it better? Yes. Or 1850? Wow. Today, if you need a root canal, they can numb your mouth by giving you a shot of lidocaine into a nerve bundle behind your jaw that numbs the whole thing. Today, they numb your mouth with lidocaine. 1850? Whiskey. Lidocaine's better. Would you rather have a colonoscopy today? Or in 1950. (laughs) Hello, sir. Or in 1850, where they just sort of looked around. It's better. It's just better. Number one selling cough medicine in 1900. Number one selling cough medicine in 1900 was heroin. It was legal. Oh, look, Billy's not coughing anymore. (laughs) Actually, Billy's not doing much of anything anymore. (laughs) Better? So much better. Honestly, murder rates. The murder rate in 1,400 in Europe was 100 murders per 100,000 people. Today, it's one. The murder rate has actually dropped 100 times since 1,400. People go, oh, can you believe how bad this world's getting? I don't get people. We believe in Jesus, and we believe Jesus is at work in the world fixing it, but he's doing a terrible job. Are you kidding me? He's doing the best job. Is he done redeeming it? No. Is it better? Yes. Yes. My goodness, money. According to the World Health Organization, 92% of the world was living in poverty in 1820. 92% of the world was living in poverty in 1820 by today's definition of poverty. If you just live an average life in Hastings, New Zealand, in an average home, you're living like kings lived in, in 1500 and 1400. It's not even close. It's not even close. This this generation today, there's so much money that they just keep changing the definition of poverty. I mean, is God done redeeming poverty? No. Is it better? Yes. This generation, this generation of young adults today has more money than the previous four generations combined. And you could figure that out really quick by hanging out with them and listening to how they talk. Listen to how a 19-year-old speaks. Hey, what are you up to? You know what? I'm thinking about taking a year off and going and walking around Europe. Who could do that? I'm only 42. And when I was a young young adult, that was something you might get to do in a lifetime. It would have never crossed my grandparents' mind. Listen, there's so much money that somebody in Hastings this week is making a full-time wage... Rubbing people. That's a relatively new thing. To pay someone $70 an hour to rub our shoulders because they feel tight? There's someone in Hastings this week making a full-time wage permanently removing women's facial hair. My great-grandmother didn't have that. You should have seen him. Can you imagine if your great-great-grandfather came back from the dead and lived with you for two days? How much would you have to explain? Just at your house. What's that? It's a car. What's that do? Takes us where we want to go at 120K an hour on a paved road. Unbelievable. What's that? That's a tap. What's that do? Brings clean, fresh, pure water into our house under pressure. What's the other one? That's the hot water. You have hot water coming into your house under pressure? What's that? That's toilet paper. It's awesome. It's just awesome. Tree bark's out of fashion. <laughs> it's just better. It's just better. What's that? That's a chemist shop. What's that do? It sells pills. What do they do? Anything you want. That pill, if you have a headache, you take it, the headache goes away. What? That pill, if you're going someplace and you don't want an uncomfortable bathroom situation, that pill you could take and it'll, it'll constipate you. That pill you could take to undo the constipation. (laughs) What's that over there? That's creams we buy to make us look better. According to Forbes magazine, last year, $3.8 billion. $3.8 billion was spent on cosmetics uh, by men. What are you doing? You can see your forehead from a satellite dish. It's not working. We have so much money that we can buy voluntary products to try to make us look better. It's better. You don't judge. Now, this is Earth. Is there a couple of places that it's not going so well? Yes, but don't lose sight of everything God's up to at the expense of a couple pieces of mud. The spirit of the risen Christ is at work in this world to fix it, and it's better and better and better and better and better. In 1800, there was two democracies in the world. Now there's over 90. For the first time in the history of the world, the common man has a voice in government. Better. It's just better. Systemic torture is now illegal. Illegal. It's better. 400 years ago, if you got caught for stealing bread, they could saw you in half on Saturday afternoon as local entertainment. Better. It's just better. Now, can you find a couple pieces of mud? Yes. If you were born in Aleppo, that's not good. But it's one isolated place. And, and we're going we're gonna to not, not rest until God's fixing that too. God's at work in this world. Are there a couple things getting worse? Sure there are. Okay, to be fair, divorce rates. Divorce rates are getting worse. They are. Why is that? Because we're living longer. When you died at 32, till death do us part, was more doable. Doable. Put over there crap for another 10 years, you'll die, it'll be better. <laughs> now marriage has to last 50 years longer than people even lived in Jesus' day. There's a couple pieces of mud, sure, but the water, man, it's, God is doing something awesome. So, so which leads me to this, I, I wonder why, until we overcome this and make it a habit, why our default button is to focus on the mud instead of the water. And it's true for all of us. Why do we, and I think if we could get our head around this, it might, can help us. So, so a couple thoughts on, on this, And next, next slide. I think we grumble when we forget to remember. Like we, we grumble when we forget to remember how far our life has come. Where our life would be without Jesus. We, we grumble when we forget, let, let's, a couple things. We grumble when we forget to remember our nation is awesome. We all woke up this morning in New Zealand, man. One of the top five greatest nations on this earth. A nation with motor cars, paved roads, stores that prepackage food for us. Clean water in our tap. Machines that do washing. Other machines that do drying. World class healthcare right down the road and it's free. Laws that protect the weak against the strong. This is New Zealand, man. When I hear New Zealanders complain about New Zealand, let me be frank. If you can't make it here, where are you going to go, man? This nation's awesome. Our life is great. If, if God never did one more thing for our life, it would be awesome. Think about our house. If you live in the biggest heap of crap in Hastings, you're still in like the richest 1% of the whole world. This thing is awesome. It is awesome. Look, I mean, our, like, they, if you lose your teeth today, they can drill teeth into your jaw. That is amazing stuff. Like, think about them. It's just awesome. Our, our, our health is a gift. Hey, I woke up this morning, and I do not have a chemotherapy appointment today. Right? If that's all it is, that's, check Right, our transportation, I, I fly every week of my life. And you know, I'm sometimes in airports, and I've heard people grumble and dispute over half-hour flight delays. Think about that. Your great-great-grandfather would be like, it took me six months to get there on a boat, and I just hope we didn't die of vitamin C deficiency. And you're fixing to get into the most technologically advanced piece of machinery in the history of the world. It's gonna fly you at 36,000 feet at 900Ks an hour, getting you wherever you wanna go, while digitally streaming on demand entertainment with a button they'll bring you a free Coke, and you're gonna complain? Where's the end of that? You could go Sydney to L.A. in 14 hours while watching. Here's what a long-haul flight is today. It's a 14-hour movie marathon where they bring you free Coke when you push a button. And we can still complain. And now Richard Branson has invented a plane that can go Sydney to Dallas, Texas in an hour. I'm in. I don't want to be on the first one. I want to do that a few hundred times. After that, I'm in. And here's the thing. It doesn't fly faster. It flies higher. Because the world's round. They go 96,000 feet. It changes the angle. You can go anywhere in the world an hour. The, the whole trick is coming down in such a way where your head doesn't blow off. <laughs> They'll figure that out. It's amazing. And try it with mice first. But, but our homes... Honestly, a two-bedroom, one-bath flat in the middle of Hastings is like royal stuff in in world standards. Our homes are awesome. Our medicines, our water, clean water right there. Our our power, the ability to read. Literacy rates in Jesus' day was 3%. By 1400, it was 30%. Literacy rates in the world didn't cross 50% till the late 1700s. It's relatively new that most people can read. Man, is God done redeeming it? No, is it better? Oh, you better believe it's better. We grumble when we focus on the mud and miss the water. We, we forget to remember all this stuff. The good old days weren't that good? They weren't that good? This is the best time ever to be alive. Ever. Okay, any parents here in their, in their mid-60s and you hear young parents complain about how hard it is to go on a road trip with two children? And you're like, oh, you've got iPads with preloaded digital media. My kids had to count the threads in the back of the seat. We had to sing the whole way. We had to put the wiggles in on cassette tape. Your kids have earplugs and they stay quiet. Oh, it's better. Let's say it another way. Next slide. We, we, We grumble when we forget to remember the story's larger. We focus on the mud and miss the water. Or maybe we can say it a third way. Next slide. We grumble when we think we need more or we compare ourselves to what others have. We grumble when we look right and left instead of in and up to get our value. We, and in New Zealand, if you're going to compare yourself, there's only one way to go. You're going to compare yourself to richer people than you. So, so we're in the richest, like 1% of the whole world, and we're going to then split hairs between that 1% by looking. And, and this is just in us to do it. Like if you live in a three-bedroom, one-bath house with nine-foot ceilings, that's flippin' wealthy. And then we, get, then we get invited to someone's house who's richer than us. They've got 12-foot ceilings. We walk in, and we can't stop looking at the ceiling. There's like so much room. We're only there two hours. Two hours later, we go back to the house we were perfectly okay with two hours before. We walk in the house. And we're like ducking. We're all constricted, you know. We're like, no one should have to live in this squalor. Right? right? Like we grumble when we compare ourselves to other people. We end up grumbling when most of the world has it worse. Like, like, like let's say it this way. Next slide. So, so the, the I will have peace and contentment at some unknown point in the future, that's just a lie. The idea that if I just get that, then it's this. It's called the lie of a sacred object. We talked about that last night. But, the, but the, the idea is that, okay, oh, if I could just lose that weight. Man, when I lose this weight, I'll feel better about myself. No, you won't. And let me be clear. If you need to lose 15 kilos, please do. It will help your life. It's good for everything. It's good for your blood pressure. It's good for, it's good for your heart. It's good for lots and lots. It's good for energy levels. It's good for your joints and your bones. It's a very good thing to do. Losing 15 kilos, if you need to, is a good thing. But if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. You'll just be a 15 kilo lighter version of your discontented self. Or, or, or if I just met that person, I'd feel better. No, you won't. No, you won't. There's no such thing as a happy marriage that was forged between two miserable single people. Man, we hated our life, and then we got married, it fixed it all. No, it doesn't. Marriage doesn't fix problems. Marriage magnifies problems if I could just get that raise. Let me tell you the science on this. If you make $58,000 a year as a family, more money does not equate to more happiness. $58,000 to $58 million. It'll buy more stuff. It'll buy more pressure. It'll do that. It'll buy more security, but it'll also buy more pressure to protect what you have. So, So here's what happens. People sign up for 30 years of entirely too much pressure. They pay money every month for rooms they never walk in so that people they don't like will think they're more successful than they actually are. And that makes sense. It's a lie. And listen, if you deserve a raise and you want a raise, I want you to get a raise. But if you're not enough without it, you're not enough with it or that shirt or that car or any of that. Now, if you make $15,000 a year and you get a raise to forty, dollars it does equate to more happiness because you're buying necessities. But, but other than that, no, no, that, that's just, that, that's a lie. It's just a lie. Let's say it this way. Next slide. We grumble when we feel God has shorted us. If we feel like God has blessed them and shorted me, we grumble. And this is why this is so critical. Uh, Next slide. Because because how we see God profoundly affects how we treat others. So if we think God shorts us, then we'll be justified in shorting others. If, If we feel like God has shorted us, we'll grumble when most people have it worse than us. So if we really are serious about not just believing in the cross and resurrection, but allowing the cross and resurrection to fundamentally shift the way we see all things, we got to sort this thing out about doing all things without grumbling or disputing. And I think the first thing we have to settle deep inside ourselves, this is the first question we have to really settle as a conviction. Do I believe God has been good to me? We just came off the Easter season. Do we really believe that God has been good to me? We've also got to quit looking right and left. We got to start looking in and up. We we got to consider the trajectory of the whole story, and not just plotted points. Next slide. I think I think we can say it this way. Next slide. Uh, we, we grumble when we judge the future by the present. So so if we if we think today is what I say if we think tomorrow is simply a repeat of yesterday, we'll grumble. The the, the philosophical word for that is despair. Despair is the conviction that tomorrow is simply a repeat of yesterday. Well, resurrection blows that out the water. If we're seeing our world through a worldview of resurrection instead of just seeing it as a bullet-pointed doctrine we believe in, that blows it all away. Resurrection screams, if you were wrong about death, what else could you be wrong about? New creation could burst forth in the middle of this one. You could be surprised in the middle of any possible situation. That Tomorrow, the the, the, uh, psychological word for that is freezing the present. Freezing the idea that this pain will never leave. And it's just in us to freeze the present. Heck, if we get a bad enough cold, four days into that cold, we're like, I'll never breathe again. (laughs) This is never going to leave. It's just in us to do that. Maybe a better example is heartache or heartbreak. Anybody remember the first breakup, right? The first time someone breaks up with you, right? I do, right? I remember the first girl that broke up with me, right? And of course it was mutual, right? Don't you think anything otherwise. (laughs) But of course I was the one all broke up about it, right? And I'm pouting and upset. Man, oh, I don't know why they call it heartbreak because you actually feel it here it's like, oh, oh, I love her so much. Oh, I'll never find anybody. Rah, rah, rah. Of course, you're 14. Everything's a disaster. And, and if you're a parent of teenagers, you get this. Like they, the, the, the part of the brain that allows them to see that this is temporary isn't developed yet. And so, and so you pout and, oh. So my dad picks me up from school. And I'm pouting, you know. And dad gets, I get in the car and dad's like, what's the matter with you? And I'm like, Nothing. And he's like, tell your face that then, because your face says there's a problem, right? Of course, dad ignores it, so I I get home, I'm still pouting. An hour later, dad comes into my room, and he goes, are you going to tell me or not? And I was like, dad, she broke up with me, I love her so much. And my dad looked at me and said, are you crying over a girl? Yeah, Dad. He said, Hang on, I want to teach you something. I need a, it's going to be an object lesson. Hang on a second. So he leaves. And he comes back with this very small potted plant. Very small. And he, he handed me the potted plant. He said, I want to teach you a lesson of truth. He said, You could probably find it in the Bible. I don't know. He said, But, but he said, I want it. This is going to help. So he handed me a potted plant. I said, Sure. He said, The lesson is if you're going to cry over a girl, At least cry in the plant so that your tears will do something productive. (laughs) And of course he was right. 14 days later, new girl, forget her. right? You don't freeze the present. Because when we freeze the present, we lose the energy and the vision that it takes to move forward through things. We grumble when we freeze the present. Next slide. Um, we, we grumble when we forget life is a marathon and not a sprint. This is a, this is a quote by Richard Rohr. He's a Franciscan monk who has a PhD in saying profound things. And here's what he said. We, we tend to overestimate what we can do in a year, but underestimate what we can do in 10. In other words, we grumble when we expect results too quickly, so when we don't get them, um, we feel like a failure, so we grumble. But it's actually an under—it's an overestimation of what could possibly have happened in a year anyway, but it's a gross underestimation of what would happen if we stay the course and keep going. There's something inspiring about somebody who keeps going in the middle of things. Now, if you're the type of person who listens to the first five minutes of a message, right, and then you start phasing out and wondering what your Facebook feed says and Your mind goes somewhere else, right? But then in the last five minutes of a message, you tune back in. Now's your time. (laughs) This is that moment. How simply can I say this message? Next slide. No grumbling. Shine like stars. When we don't grumble or dispute, we're shining like lights in our world. Now, great sermons are not intended to be agreed with or disagreed with. Great sermons are meant to be wrestled with. If a sermon can be evaluated in the amount of time it took to deliver it, it's not a good sermon. So uh, the best way to wrestle is with questions. So here's a few questions. Next slide. Yep, what are we going to do about this today? So next one. Is shining as simple as not grumbling? Maybe we shouldn't autopsy what it means to be light until we mastered that. What would it be like to do all things? Could you imagine a community or family that somehow mastered the art of doing all things without grumbling or disputing? What would that be like? Oh, could you imagine it? And whatever you have to do around here to build this into your culture, put banners up everywhere, shine like stars, make t-shirts, write songs about it, whatever you gotta do, when you hear someone grumbling, uh, uh, oh no, oh, oh, we we shine like stars around here. Oh no, no no no, no no grumbling. D- do not tell me the problem unless you've thought of three solutions. No no. Now, do we challenge the process? Yes we do. Can we always get better? Yes, but grumbling. No. Do not tell me a problem unless you've brainstormed at least t- for three solutions. No 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 no. We shine like stars around here. We don't dispute. The- oh, are you disputing something that's disputable? God, but that's clearly a violation of scripture. No no no. We don't do that. No no, no. Shine like stars. No. Nope. Shine like stars. Uh-uh. Oh, let's say it this way. Next slide. It's shining as simple as keep going. There's something inspiring about somebody that keeps... There's nothing inspiring about someone not going through anything. It's not inspiring. Like, like if I said, if I said, let me introduce you. This is Bill. Bill, tell them about your life. Hello, everybody. My name's Bill. I'll tell you about my life. It's going awesome. My marriage? Awesome. My children? Awesome. My business? booming. And when I think about my past, pretty much nailed it. We don't want to know that guy. There's nothing inspiring about that guy. There's something inspiring about somebody who faces stuff and keeps their head up, their shoulders back, their hands clean, their heart pure, their taste sweet. That's inspiring. Let's say it this way. Next slide. Is shining as simple as knowing we have enough right now. There's something inspiring about somebody that has an internal contentment about where they are. They're not striving for more stuff. Maybe we say it this way, next slide. Where do we need to repent from grumbling? Let's just stop and give that 10 seconds or 15 seconds of thought. Have we grumbled in the last 30 days? And why is that okay? It's not. I grumbled. And let me tell you why. I was in Melbourne and I was grumbling about their roads. Because whoever designed their roads thought no one would ever show up. (laughs) And if you've ever been to Melbourne, you know they turn right weird, okay? So there's a weird way to turn right in Melbourne that doesn't happen anywhere else in the world. As an outsider, it's very stressful. Also, in downtown Melbourne, in the city, sometimes you turn down a road and you're on the railroad track. Flippin' terrifying, right? So I I I was on a Melbourne road. And sometimes a four-lane road acts like a two-lane road because they let people park on the road. And I thought, and I was complaining about this. I was grumbling. And I'd just written this message, and I knew I was fixing to preach it. And so here, here's the scene. I was in the car grumbling to myself. There's no one else there, which is a whole nother set of psychological problems. No one was there to listen. I was still grumbling. And this message hit me because I'd just written it. I'd just written it. And this is the conversation I had with the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm in a motor car on a paved road, driving to a restaurant where someone's going to prepare food for me. And I have the money to pay for all of that and the freedom to do it. And I'm going to complain about where people park? That's stupid. That's not shining. At what point does that end? At what point will we be satisfied? come on, it's not shining. Maybe you have a similar story like that where you realize I'm grumbling about something less important than what God has done for me. It's not shining. Let's say it this way, next slide. What do we need to remember? Or where do we need to remember the stories larger? Which leads me to this. I started wondering, what if Paul would have had the internet In about 30 seconds or so, 45 seconds or so, I I want the team to play a video, but i got to set the video up so it'll make sense, okay? I started wondering, what if Paul would have emailed this to 100,000 people? And what if he had access to YouTube? I am convinced if Paul would have had access to YouTube, he would have attached this video to say, if you want to know what shining like stars is, here it is. This is a video of a little girl Um, I'm guessing she's two or three, she's quite swollen, Uh, she's quite ill. Um, My understanding is she has leukemia and she is waiting on bone marrow treatments. She had been in the hospital 344 consecutive days, which means she also has the greatest mother on earth because the mother would have been in the hospital 344 consecutive days. If anybody had a reason to gripe or grumble or complain about where they were in life, it's this little girl or her mother. But they don't do that. Somebody sent me this video of this little girl with tubes in her nose in the hospital, and she's obviously taking her cues from the mother doing the signs and things like this. And um, I was so moved by it, I archived it. And then when I wrote this message, I thought, this, 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 this is shining like stars. Um, This is a 50-second... Uh, video clip of this little sick girl singing you a song. Let me roll that clip. Let me hear it. Let me hear it. Really, Yeah, Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what was the last thing we grumbled about? Shine like stars. So I bless you, my brothers and sisters, to not just be people who believe in the cross and resurrection like it's some sort of doctrinal bullet point ticket to heaven. But may it be something fundamentally transforms the way we see everything that happens in life. And may we make a decision to be lights in our world by choosing to do all things without grumbling or disputing. I'd like to take a second give you an authentic invitation back tonight. Um, I'm going to do something very special tonight. I cannot wait to share it. Uh, don't stay home tonight and watch NCIS. Uh, I'll save you. Uh, Gibbs gets the bad guy. That's what's going to happen. Um <laughs> Uh, give us give us an hour, hour and 15 minutes or so tonight. And um, I promise you, if you come tonight and it doesn't change your life, I believe in it so much that I will out, if you come tonight and it doesn't change your life, I'll out of my own pocket, I'll refund whatever they charge you to come, okay? So whatever it costs, uh, you can come back tonight, okay? Until then, grace and peace. Know that you believe in a God that believes in you more than you believe in him and shine like stars. Grace and peace, guys. God bless. Excellent.